Part two with our friend Eric Lyons coming right at you. Don't forget that there's a bonus episode with Daniel Alberto in the Patreon page. And thanks to those of you who do support the show. Going to continuously make attempts to get more and more bonus material out there for patrons. So thank you for supporting the show. I appreciate it. Hope you like this chat with Eric Lyons, who's studying science and philosophy. I mean, can't come to this place and find two uh, more excitable or exciting subjects. So enjoy this chat. So you're a moth, you're headed toward the light. <laughs> and but like we're construing a few things there in that this this shooter's light is not the Bernie Rollins light because this is when you're a young kid. You're yeah. you're like 18, 19 years old, you're playing hockey in the dorm on video game, drinking the worst vodka. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, this is fun. It's just like shooters. It's like shooters junior. But <laughs> you're also like you're able to <laughs> that really is like the farm league for a lot of comedians, <laughs> though. Is just like uh, oh, bad, for sure. bad dorm room alcoholism is like Yeah. I did high school room. rodeo. We you go to a different town oh, every weekend and you stay in a crappy hotel because you're paying for like the board of yourself and a horse. So it's so expensive. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, I'll stay at a motel six. And then if an adult is nice enough to offer some booze, then you're getting exactly the treatment that comedians get, which is like, sweet, I scored my way into some free booze. I gotta yeah. drink it all. I got the drink ticket. This I've made it, baby. <laughs> and it's not just Wells. It's not just Wells. Uh, I was always so savage with my drink tickets at Liquid. I would be like, "Give me like a picture, a picture of Long Island. This is one, <laughs> one drink. I don't care. I manage it. I'm not getting paid enough." That's smart. It. Yeah, that's smart to maximize your nachos. Where you're like, <laughs> "Give me all the stuff." you know, however you maximize your nachos, but just knowing how, like all these things where when you're, when you're over 21 years old, I would even cap it there. 23 is already too old where you're like, what am I doing? I'm getting paid in nachos and two Dos Equis. (laughs) But a part of you is like, hell yeah, I'm getting paid to like do this thing that is so stupid and silly. And I've already made up my mind that like life isn't really all that meaningful so why not just be a goof (laughs) about it and say silly things and see if you can like make your way through doing that and then when you paid for that is even if it's just those dos equis where it's like i literally got paid because life is silly and i goofed on it yeah and like people like that and they gave me something that was i had an experience because i've been doing more stand-up and i uh i got to do one of those like gigs in a place where you're like all right well here we go uh, and I did it at a, at a VFW in Wabasha, Minnesota, right on the <laughs> mighty Mississippi River. And it was about what you would think for that. Yeah. But like, you know, a bunch of older Minnesotans. There was a, a black headliner and 
you know, he had fun kind of riffing with these only one person yelled Trump during it. So, you know, that's a win. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got like 50 bucks for the 15 minutes or whatever. And I, I mentioned something to my partner, Amanda, and she was like, oh, yeah, I forget you get paid for that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, me too, babe. Me too. <laughs> but I need it. I love it. And I mean, there's so much of it now that like, do I like all of it? No. Do I even like the majority of it? No. But like the times where it does tickle me, because we act like we're getting away with something where like the rest of the world is like, hey, cut it out. Get back to work. <laughs> Everyone knows it's silly. And so when someone is able to comment on it or goof about it or do whatever to take our minds off of how silly all of it is. I need it. And so when someone like reinforces to you that like, I appreciate what you just did, then it feels not as necessary as, you know, say you being uh, an animal or a vet person, you know, what am I thinking of? Animal rescuer who goes out and like Mm -hmm. helps out the elk who was tranquilized. But it's not far from it. It's like, it's necessary in the same, in in a similar way. We're like, had that elk died, would the world still go on? For sure. And with you having your joke about TGI Fridays, if that didn't exist, would the world go on? <laughs> Definitely. No, but, it would not. It's <laughs> like, stop everything. <laughs> what are we going to do? This is the best TGIF joke ever. <laughs> but I love when people are able to like merge those two things. And like you and I love Built to Spill. Yes. And if it's, they it's had the never is hanging up right back there, I love it. And I always think about it in those terms. Like if they had had this kind of, eh, no one cares. I would be so bummed out. Like, I'm glad of what you make. Yeah, it's silly. It's dumb. No one really needs it, but I'm really glad that you make it. You know, and maybe they're sitting there like the world needs this. Let's put this <laughs> album together. That's fine. I don't care how they approach it, whatever they're doing. Yeah. I like the end result. And so it does. Feel, but when you're, getting nachos which is what mm-hmm. not what they are being paid so like <laughs> to them it's a substantial the world has said we need what you make when you're getting paid nachos you're like boy the world hasn't made up its mind yet this feels <laughs> <laughs> the, jury, the jury's still out on this one they're letting me go but <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know i i think in talking about like the light hitting with the philosophy class that i took and maybe you know, one thing I'm I'm finding about myself is like I, I'm good with like bigger picture stuff and like ideas. And I think that was the first time that I saw somebody using just like ideas and these concepts and thoughts to like do something effectively in the real world and like say something just with like logic and reason to be like, you know what, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Yeah. And this kind of like foundational like shift of just being able to talk to somebody. And I think like comedy in its own way gets you there in some sort of way of like, you made me look at this in a way that made me giggle. Yeah. That's something. Oh yeah. And getting that feeling like I, I'm sure that you can relate to this a little bit. The best compliment I've ever gotten after a comedy set is I liked it. Cause it made me think. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Well, think <laughs> of your thinking favorite, that's a win for sure. Like your favorite art. And maybe I'm, you know, I obviously I'm not alone in this. You and I are the same in that. Like, when you read a book or see a movie that asks you to do that, to me, that is the best where I just feel like, oh, they just subtly did it. I am like the next day kind of pondering that concept or, and You're sometimes sitting it, wondering how you get out of marshmallow world. I get it. <laughs> I've watched, the, I've watched the special man. Hey, I've been thanks, there. Buddy. What a reference. What a great rep. I wish I had a little bell. Like, <laughs> great reference. <laughs> Anytime somebody, somebody is like a, 
Oh gosh, what am I thinking of? Like a uh, Schroeder, not Schroeder, a uh, Pavlov, a Pavlovian response to yeah. like compliment your work in your podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, so, come on, need a bell for that. A bell, yeah, five dollars from Patreon. Over to you. But I, um, <clears throat> I think that, and maybe this, I don't know if I have my thoughts fully together to explain this, but when this, when the spectrum is referenced people act like you're talking specifically about people with a certain type of like Asperger's or autism or something without recognizing it's all of us. Like when they say they're on the spectrum, like, so are you. So is that's why it's a spectrum. So is everyone. And so if you took someone that was falling in that, maybe more Asperger's-y or focused or give me a Rubik's cube or a bunch of, you know, pencils falling on the floor and my mind will go to work. You know, I have a relative several generations removed who worked in a parts department, never had to write anything down. He knew them by number. Wow. 01881488, was that a spark plug? Let me go get it. That type of brain. Crazy and weird to know that like, oh, that exists? Like, And my grandfather would be so funny. Like, oh, he was, he was a character. He'd get in our car after years of not seeing him. He'd be like, you've driven 200 and, you know, whatever <laughs> miles. You've driven 28,672 miles since I saw you. Something like that. So that brain exists. And if you put that brain to work like a calculator saying, hey, we're going to need to know the moments and the tension and all the different forces at play on this bridge. This is a standard, you know, truss bridge. Can you give us all, you know, point loads, et cetera? That person would and just do it. And you might do it for a few years. You graduated, you got your degree and your brain is doing it. Going like, sweet, I know this math. This makes sense. I can break this all up. But then there's another part of your brain from a different area on the spectrum going, why why am I doing this? Is this... (laughs) And so like your philosophy light going off, you kind of need... You need to like turn and face that voice and be like, what is it? What do you want? And so (laughs) when you go to work at a comedy club or a place where you're like, every night you're getting filled with more often than not stupid observations about dating children commercials <laughs> shitting etc yeah women are different the, uh hey fellas <laughs> get at me <laughs> you know? but every now and again something happens and it might be when a comedian's bombing and they reference yeah. something that you go wait what that oh that and now your brain is kind of chewing on that a little bit and you those two voices start to see each other a little bit and i think everyone that's ever done comedy or any kind of art has had that moment of like, maybe you're lucky you're born on that part of the spectrum where like, since I was seven, I wanted to paint and I've just only painted. But I would guess most people are like, yeah, I don't know. I, I started out doing this and I was, I just got a regular job. But then that voice kind of speaks up to you. And that, that doesn't mean that you go off and be an artist all the time. It just means that you see that voice, which you did and do, but then it's like, it might say to you, yeah, but you could also still go use that brain and still go pers- yeah. go to a graduate program, which seems like that's the phase you're in right now. Yeah, exactly. I think it probably goes the other way for a lot of people where they've taken the nine to five job, gone through that stuff. And it's like, I've always really wanted to get into polka and I have not had the time. And now I live in the Midwest and John Candy's dead and the Kenosha kickers aren't a thing anymore. Maybe it's time for polka. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people run into that where it's like, I've never been creative. Whereas... I think for me partially, it's like eh, maybe put some of that like intelligence to use and learn some cool stuff and and kind of get into something different. Mm-hmm. And you can still be a goof while you're doing that. Like 
and I don't think that needs to go away, you know, right. but just kind of getting back in touch with other things that you're like good at and being like, oh, oh yeah, no, you're still here. You were talking, you were quiet for a bit, but like, let's get back on it. And I think I'm definitely at that part where it's like, you know, especially maybe even transitioning back because I got my degree. It's a bachelor's philosophy uh, of science and technology. Um, and so it's like transitioning out of philosophy back into more of the science and kind of getting more involved with that. Um, but like, that's all coming together really nicely too. And like, I, I think I'm just viewing science and, and what it can do differently than I did when I was a kid. And it was just like, you're good at it. Do it. It's like, mm -hmm. But why, why, <laughs> why <laughs> philosophy, right? Why? <laughs> but I mean, those uh, words, I mean, those are a big part of like starting this or just doing this podcast. Those are the best conversations. If not, like, that's really the only reason I, I, I would, I would run into someone that told me those words and I suddenly like, all right, let's shut up about sports. Tell me more about that. And it was always, I just love that like those worlds exist that are so far beyond kind of what we normally concern ourselves with. Yeah. That's why I also really like Beautiful Anonymous, the, the Gethard podcast, um, because occasionally he'll get callers that call in that are a part of like a really specific subculture mm -hmm. that you've always been like, I've always kind of wondered what they're doing. Uh -huh. Like one of them was a trucker that called in and it was a guy who did like medium sized mid like Midwest trucking routes, but he was like a liberal. And so it was like, here's trucker culture. And also I'm really weird in trucker culture because <laughs> I'm a liberal and I listen to your podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, oh, yeah, that's there in this world happening right now. Like, that's cool. Like, uh, it, it goes back to what we were talking about with uh, the gay bar in Pocatello. People online can 100% have, a, a, in their head, a very accurate depiction of anywhere. Throw a dart at the map. I know that place. And if you went there, you'd find out they are... 100% wrong. Not just kind of yeah. wrong. Oh, yeah. Way off. And like, oh, yeah, a lot of what you think. You walk into any bar or restaurant, it's going to be what you think. But then you're going to find this person that's going to just blow you completely away. And it doesn't mean in like the they're going <laughs> to dazzle you with, you know, their worldview or it's just going to be different than what you expect. That's it. Yeah. I was thinking about that today. I was driving around and it's like, I, I think about so many different things, but thinking about like all this time spent on the internet. And again, you get glimpses of other, but you get glimpses of the online representation of it, the like analog, you know, the avatar of what's actually there. And like, if you don't get out and drive around and see these little places and go to them, you have no idea what they're like. And even just, even just moving a few States East and, and leaving the mountain West where I've spent my whole life and living in the Midwest, which is not, that much it's so different out here oh, it's so yeah. weird like i've had so many different experiences just driving around being like that's that's weird huh <laughs> yeah okay all right that's what they do here all right then <laughs> that, i don't know that sort of stuff is just the best like you're in rochester i'm in rochester home of uh home of the mayo clinic yeah well, the first time i landed in minneapolis there was a protest happening on the street and i had heard that minneapolis was artsy but the only place prior to that i think i had seen you know, I'd lived in Austin. I don't know that I'd seen the same level of like funky beatniks protesting, but San Francisco had it. So I was instantly like, oh, hello, Minneapolis. It was way above and beyond as far, it, it was done in like a polite manner, but still this kind of artsy, 
is places that pride themselves on like, it's not what you think. And you talk to so many people like, I'm from this rural area in Arkansas, but what makes us cool is we have this little town called this and we do this and this happens there. And we really, you, you find that just all over. Yeah. And so now you're in Rochester and I was a little North of you one time and it's like <laughs> June, it was late, but in a cold area, like near Duluth and walking along this guy out of nowhere just goes, happy spring. <laughs> and I was like, have you ever heard that? I've never heard a stranger just out of nowhere, happy spring. And I thought, yeah, that's that would never happen in Reno, ever. And no, so, no, not in Reno. But out here, it's you emerge from the cold and it's like, hi, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it again, huh? <laughs> That's, Everyone I agree, made it. I haven't been here for the winter just yet, but that's the sense that I get from the people here. They're an yeah. interesting so you interesting you get your you finish your degree after I drop yeah. you off and now we're in that thing we talked about where like a couple you know a few years later what are you up to and it's not oh same old same old you've finished your degree and then you're in this graduate program at Rochester but then you're gonna go to Alaska to do so that stuff. was a hopeful thing things had changed since then um, because I was working for geospatial services which is a part of St Mary's Minnesota. It's like connected to it. And I was doing stuff. Um, they do, they document water, like different watersheds and water features for the BLM um, mm-hmm. Bureau of Land Management, which every time I would say BLM in this area, like, oh, Black Lives Matter and their wetland inventories. Huh? Well, you know, they yeah. care. Um, no, a lot of my whole yeah childhood like grazing rights are all BLM related. So oh yeah oh yeah. god I mean talk about that Bundy fool and all that yeah stuff. yeah god. yeah right near Idaho all right <laughs> uh, ugh, crazy place um but gosh what was I what was I even saying I lost let me jump again. in because you just put your arms up and I forgot that. The last time I saw you, <laughs> yeah. you suddenly had a whole bunch of new tattoos. And by new, I mean tattoos. I don't think yeah. you had a tattoo. And then I see you. and it, I, I did when we were at the Bug Theater in Denver. I only know that because the first thing you said to me was, wow, you have tattoos. And you're a lion one. And I was I like, I, I think I said something like, is this because of your last name or other? And you were like, I just liked it. And I thought that was so funny of like. I couldn't tell if you were doing a bit or like if you had gotten asked that all the time by everyone like, hey, you're also lions. Like, you have a lion tattoo. But <laughs> it was also because I just liked it. I, most of these are just because I like them. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's an addictive thing, maybe. Well, so one time I was doing a college show and, you know, sometimes I, I'll do like some stand up that's like somewhat existential or something to that effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was kind of like spacey. And this kid came over and he his friends were like, talking about him oh man he he this was like for him specifically and i i the first thing i asked him was like have you ever grown your hair out before because it was kind of long and he goes no and i go how are you liking it and he was like (laughs) dude my parents are and i go i knew it like you go to college you get to like do these things you've thought of and you take philosophy classes or you start kind of contemplating what is this vessel I'm in and can I decorate it or can I, what yeah. means things to me? And like, what was that threshold like for you of going, I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't have any tattoos to like, yeah, see what it's about. Uh, you'll appreciate the first one that I got was a built to spill tattoo because I'm the most 30 year old <laughs> melancholy white boy from <laughs> Boise, Idaho, North end. You can imagine. <laughs> and so I had an idea from like a, from Randy described eternity specifically, you know, talk about existential mm-hmm. spaciness. There you go. 
Um, and I thought about it years. for a long time. And I always was like, oh, what if I regret it later on? Blah, blah, blah. And this is, you know, when I was drinking and dealing with a lot of, you know, depression and other things and this and that. And I think what got me over the hump at one point was just like, well, yeah, but like, you might regret it, but you're not like, why not go for it? Like, why not do something that you want to do now? Like, why not just do that? You can do yeah. that. Why, like, who cares about this 40 year out future that you're envisioning potentially? Like, who cares? Like, I don't, I do don't know. Do you ever have like, these uh, reincarnation ideas in that, like, you're convinced you're kind of doing it right, but there's a part of you, maybe your fifth or 50th or 500th trip through that really starts to go like, oh, I know for sure I'm not doing it right. And or like, <laughs> I think I think my mindset is right in that like, it doesn't matter that much. But then you look at someone that's like head to toe covered in tattoos and there's a part of you that's like, that was either a significant childhood trauma or just who they are as a person. Has They had like a loving family and I'm way off base. Or they're on trip number like 1000 and they realize like, it's so meaningless to put meaning in anything, even in the tattoos, perhaps, is a wrong step. So therefore to say, like, I'm just a part of it. I'm just particles. I'm just atoms. There's no reason to take it so seriously. Cut my hair this way and do this this way. This matters to just be like, it's all just a sidewalk you can graffiti all over and it doesn't matter dogs can piss on it it none of this matters <laughs> part of me i think that sometimes when i see people with like yeah. a lot of tattoos i'm like oh they're way more trips ahead than i am they've been through it a bunch and they're like this time i'm gonna stop and pick up the stickers okay <laughs> they're two dollars i always look at them i want to support the artist I'm like, yeah yeah put it on there <laughs> i feel like that's uh, you touched on something that's been big for me in the last like year and a half or so is is kind of just the like none of this really matters sort of like viewpoint and not in like the defeatist way because i'm pretty open about dealing with depression of stuff where it's like oh it doesn't matter blah blah this one it's like hey it's all just happening like yeah. i was literally telling a coworker today about your bit about the guy with the pickles on his sandwich <laughs> it's like that's not why we're mad we're mad because we're hurtling through space on this rock at thousands of miles an hour we don't know what's going on now this pickle fiasco <laughs> man One give me favorites. the bell why don't I <laughs> someone give me my bell no one's ever referencing my stand-up bits on, the, on my podcast <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I'm a oh, big listener. Thanks, I'm a big fan of your stand-up. You know this. Bless uh, your heart. Oh, what a guy. <laughs> what a guy. The, but, oh, go ahead. But I think that that like sort of mindset is what I've always appreciated about your work. And what I try to like think about when I'm writing or if I'm performing or anything is it's, you know, just the, the stakes are so low. This is all just happening. Like we're, why are we so, I don't, I don't know. It's been a lot of setting back a little bit like somebody at an open mic i think in boise because of course it was came up to me afterwards and was like going over there said doing that thing it was like a new guy I'm like oh well i thought that this was gonna it was just you know this and i was like yeah well the stakes are really low like did you have fun was this <laughs> was it good getting up doing this then that's why you do it like i don't i don't know <laughs> yeah but a lot of that for me and i think that that's helped me actually do things mm-hmm I, I don't know. I think I wouldn't start things. I'm like, oh, well, I can't get it the way I want it to be or it won't be good and I won't do it. And now it's like, hey, why not try it? Yeah. The time is going to pass anyways. You may as well do something weird. And so that's 
you talked about that job where I was hoping to maybe go to Alaska to do some field work and stuff. I had a commute like an hour to where I was doing it and it was just busy work and mm-hmm. in ArcGIS, just di- digitizing rivers and yeah. river and features and this and that. And I wasn't like, I was hoping there was going to be more, but there wasn't. So I, I quit that after six weeks. And that day, Amanda and I went to the coffee shop in town that I liked, which was opening a used bookstore next door. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting a coffee. I was like, Hey, if you need people for some hours over there, like I like books, I, I could use a job <laughs> uh, currently. And they happened to be like, well, we're just hiring here at the coffee shop. And so I got hired on and then they knew I did stand up and I just produced the first show and now I produce our events and I'm like doing a bunch of really cool creative stuff. Nice. So I was man. like, I was like, why am I sitting in this job potentially for a reference two years down the road that I don't know I'm going to want? Like, why don't yeah. I just go to this weird hipster theater coffee house and do weird stuff? Uh, <laughs> I can, I can still be doing all of this GIS work and probably incorporate it into this if I want to. Um, but why not spend the time doing something fun? I don't know. I like it, man. <laughs> that's like just being open to wherever it takes you. I think that's such a hard thing that people, everyone, I mean, maybe, you know, you talk to someone like, no, oh, I don't know. It just made, all made sense to me. They're very lucky because I think most people are like, should the world be going like this for me? Or should I be just like kind of letting it take me? You know, like yeah. Mary, um, row, row, row your boat concept of just like, how hard are you rowing it? Are you going upstream, like against the current up a waterfall? Are you kind of just like, ooh, there's a fork. Looks prettier to the left. I'll do a couple paddles and yeah. gently glide myself left. You know, if you're if you're paddling so gently that you're able to look ahead and see like, okay, this is a definitive decision in my life. Am I going to propose to this person or apply to this school or move to this place or whatever the decision is? To have the, you know, ability to just gauge it from a few different perspectives and be asked different people and then row slightly toward it and understand that, like, there's no guarantees that's going to work out. There could be a waterfall right after it. Yeah. It's like the simplest thing, to a way to look at life. And yet yeah. we talk ourselves into much more complex versions than that all the time. All the time. But I, I really like the way you put that of like, you know, the, the best laid plans you have, there's still so much that's just chance and is completely uncertain. And you're never going to find that thing that you're exactly looking for. Mm-hmm. And I, I know people that, you know, you get your head down so intensely in like this program or this and that. And you have to, obviously, you can't just, you know, <laughs> freestyle all of life all the time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's all all we're doing, but, you know, you, you make some plans. But I, I view it like how people travel, you know, or how they view their time somewhere, whether or not it's like, I have my itinerary, I will be hitting these stops at these times, because some people are like that, or the way I travel, where it's like, ah, I'm walking, and we're going to... We're going to go. We're going to figure it out. I don't really care where that is. I have this one thing I would like to do. Yeah. Like we could do that. But if it doesn't happen, fine. Oh, and man. I, yeah, go start. I, I don't know. I've, I've viewed that like a lot of the good things that have happened for me in life and, and recently. And again, there's a lot that I'm fortunate to have going right to, to see these things. But it's like, just kind of pick your spots and see where it goes and be adaptive to change when it happens. Because it's like, yeah, I was pursuing this really hard, but this is cool. Yeah. Let's just go do this for a while. I don't. Absolutely. This seems, this seems worth going to. And I think that flexibility is something you really need, uh, especially now because everything 
Oh yeah, changes just all all the time. Like uh, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there isn't that linear, and I don't think there was ever a linear path like that of like these years. But it was there were more benchmarks, I think, that you could look to versus for somebody my age now. There's not like the home ownership or that like all of those standard things are gone. So it's like I'm kind of just freelancing from whatever to whatever, and that's just kind of how it's going to be, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I felt like 2008. So prior to that, I was a vagabond. I just basically lived out of my car and did enough gas money gigs and things where like I was just always doing comedy. And then 2008, like the the recession happened. And the one thing I would take in the few years after that was that like, man, comedy got saturated immediately. Like open mics went from having 10 or 15 people to like 50. And I think what it was is people that were willing to settle for their like plan B safer version of life were told that wasn't available. So they were like, well, the hell with that. I'm going to go after plan A and I'm going to pursue it with like the same vigilance that I would have a business degree or whatever I was doing. So they're like doing comedy with like vision boards and goals and comedy got a lot more <laughs> like, Hey, we're supposed to be going to shooters later. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And they're like, I got to go home and get some sleep and go over my set and listen to it and write some notes and watch video. And then I got to call 20 bookers tomorrow. And like, Oh no, comedy has changed. It's like way yeah. more cutthroat. And I think about like, <clears throat> in terms of what you were saying though, of like going with it. And then also, you know, the, the kind of what we look for is sort of rewards traditionally and I think of statues. Are there such a silly thing that we created? Yeah. And if you really yeah, break down, like if you go to Edinburgh, a lot of their statues are like poets and philosophers and things. You're like, what? Because everywhere else here, especially in the States, is military stuff. If you really yeah. think about a military person, they were born likely into a life of privilege. They went to a school. They went to a military school. So a lot of people go into lives that like that life doesn't want you to fail. If you go to school and you get an engineering degree – the job market's pretty much going to be open because the world is like, we want that, we need that. It's mm-hmm. not like being a poet. It's not – the same level of risk doesn't even come close to applying to either of those. And there's a great um, quote by – oh, man, I told you I would do this – blanking on his name, Charlie Kaufman. And he said, failure is not a bad thing. All it means is that you risked failure. And so a lot of lives never risked failure. And think of yeah. these like generals – went to these schools that prepared them very well so that when they came out and they served in the service, they're on a quick path to becoming generals, things like that. And then they get thrown into war where now you're rowing upstream, but you've been prepared by these schools to make these decisions. We'll flank them this way. We'll send our cavalry this way. We'll send our infantry. So what you did in your life wasn't, in, wasn't entirely like something that would blow people away. But the person who built that statue – there aren't a ton of schools for that. And they probably sat there every day like, man, that's a lot of money. I should get up and fucking work with some clay. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> like, like waited to the deadline. And then exactly what you're talking about of, oh, I found this coffee shop. I started doing this. They just started putting clay together and thumbing it. And then they got so busy doing it that when they stepped back, Here's this beautiful statue of a person with a sword in the air on a horse. And they realized they were spending days and days on like the hair and the tail of the horse. And someone had to come and grab me like, you're good, you're good, you're good. And they, had to, <laughs> they had to be like, oh, I did it. 
And they, ah, I still would love to work more on the hoof. You're done. Let's just put it in. <laughs> let's cast it. Yeah. And then, you know, like, and so that person had such a much more beautiful life. And how many sculptors do you offhand know? Very few. And if you go over and read it, it's like on the hoof scribbled in there. And you'd be like, yeah, I've never heard of them. But to yeah. me, their life is, that signature to me is always the most interesting part of yeah. every like plaque about the stupid asshole on the horse. Yeah, that did all of these things and that regimented to do this and that. And this. Yeah. I, I'm very much with you. Right? I like the guy who somehow he ended up there and you may find yourself, like, you know, <laughs> to get talking heads about it. But yeah, like I, I don't know. And that might just be us and our sensibilities as people that we like this sort of thing and who's to say you know obviously neither side is right in how they view that but to me yeah just like wander about get into the weirdness a little bit yeah like, if there are parents listening with a child they've probably <laughs> turned it off because they're like if you end up in shooters i have failed you yeah you you that general did the right thing that's why there's a statue <laughs> they followed the path they never had to struggle or worry about bills or any of these and things i got a statue <laughs> Look at the reward. It paid <laughs> off, Do We did tear it down because he was problematic, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they won't, well, I cancel these poets and tear down their statues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'll have to ask my brother and his wife just moved to Edinburgh, actually. They were oh, in, nice. Le they were in Leicester. They moved to Edinburgh. They got some ridiculous flat out there. They said they're living in a fantasy, so good oh, for them. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's great. Yeah, very, very jealous. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. I know. We all have those things of like, when you just kind of, you have to, you have to give into it or just give into knowing like, I have a certain set of genetics. That's like a phrase I've been using lately where it's like. It sounds vaguely Liam Neeson. It's a little taken-ish, but it also, <laughs> I mean, I don't think we, we often say like, oh, it's just my nature. But if you have lived a certain amount of life and you realize you're not like a business whiz or something like yeah. you have a certain set of genetics and it's probably not going to happen for you. You're you're not a business whiz. But what else do you do? So if you're like, man, my brother, he just figured out how to like market to these companies and he does this. And they're like, have you? Oh, I don't even know to start, where to start. Different <laughs> set of genetics. It's not you. So find out what your thing is. And it seems like you're doing a great job of that. Yeah. It's much easier to look at it this way and be like, yeah, I think I know kind of what I'm doing versus for a while. I would try to tell a bit about how like all of my brother and all my cousins, super successful. And that if our family was a company, I would be like the Christmas Santa that they hired <laughs> for like the holiday party. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we just give them, oh, a, we great. give them like an open bar and let them loose. And you know, he's a part of the team, but <laughs> we don't tell anyone here. We, we yeah, want him to yeah, feel like he's earned know. it. There's not, like, Cause then he'd feel bad about like the nepotism and all this. Like we. <laughs> nepotism in the company Santa Claus game. I know that's uh, so sad. God, that's brutal. <laughs> just sitting there with like one of the fat cats sipping scotch and like, I thought you did a great job with those kids. Uh, how'd you get this gig? <laughs> Oh, my, my father and my brother <laughs> run this place. You yeah. piece of shit. <laughs> Taking these jobs from old men with beards. <laughs> Your type sickens me. So what's, the, what's the, the, the plan then? If you are, you know, you're, you're doing the coffee shops, booking that, having some artsy stuff going on there. And then the program that you're in. So you, ha you have a bachelor's in science and technology or science and philosophy. Mm -hmm. which is pretty open-ended in that like what does that entail is it like would a company hire you to come be a consultant and say like 
philosophically speaking, what should be what should we be doing? Something to that uh, effect? I think probably not. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't know. I think it's it's the philosophy is I took a philosophy of science class at the end of this last night. I found it's very interesting, even just looking at like GIS and how I approached that. Um if only just for like you look at maybe why we're doing science or what exactly it is science is doing. Like, is it, is it trying to falsify the current theory or is it trying to use it to test things and get results? Like, you know, there's an interesting different way of viewing, like, you know, is this science or is this what science should be? Is this what a scientist does or is this what a scientist should be doing? And all these things which sound very semantic, you know, oriented and they are, but you know, I think it's fascinating to look at and especially like, in this, I was thinking about listening to the last episode that that aired. I think it was the communication and science. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah, Dafrina. Yeah, he was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved that episode because that was part of what I was thinking in this philosophy class of just you know how we define terms and how we define you know the words we use to describe things and how that affects like our scientific worldview. It's like, well, what do we mean by force? Like, is it this type of, is it, you know, relativity? Like, I, I, I just feel like there's so much that's, you know, with people that are maybe in Pocatello or, you know, other, other people, they're just not arguing using like the same words that we are necessarily. Yeah. I, I, the scientific phrases don't mean anything the same thing. So I think there's a lot of, cool philosophical ground of like, well, how do we define these theorems? How do we define these phrases that we use so that we can even talk about these things? Like, yeah, we think we know science. Oh, the scientific method. It's like, well, what does any of that actually mean? Like, so I, I don't know. I just a very convoluted uh, answer to a question. I don't remember entirely, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it sounds like philosophy of science, but yeah. Um, I think that goes a long way into viewing how we talk to people about more complicated scientific concerns or issues. Um, Even just the term like theory, you know, because it's like, oh, we have like a gravitational theory and we also have this conspiracy theory. Right. It's like, well, those theories are very different things. Like, how do we define this? Like, let's start there. Yeah. I don't know. And listening to that conversation with Abe, like, how do we even talk to people? When it's on such a different... Yeah, the uh, New England Patriots, when uh, Deflategate was happening, their quarterback, uh, I would say, was convicted of this, So it's, but allegedly uh, deflated all the footballs to a certain PSI so that in the cold weather he could grip them better. And they tried to cite the universal gas law, which is like, it's colder, so the, the air is moving a little less, so the, like, the pressure is going to be a little less. It's a law. I love that it's a law, because even gravity is the theory. We're dealing with so many theories as to what govern this planet. Mm-hmm. And science at large said, like, you can't do that. He, <laughs> this guy cheated. Nice try with like using some science. He cheated. Get and, your science out of football. <laughs> not welcome here. And I have a, a relative who sent me a screenshot of someone who had was sharing a NASA article. So NASA goes up and using their satellites is just doing some science and found that in the, during the peak parts of the corn yield, the there's phosphorescent activity. Like if you're using infrared cameras, that's like shows that like the, the amount of oxygen produced during that period is like similar to the Amazon. It's a tremendous amount of oxygen. 
So that, if you're just looking at that from a scientific standpoint, it involves no other parameters. It doesn't involve the transportation. It doesn't involve the harvesting. It doesn't involve like, how long that period is. It just says during that peak period, oxygen. So that is an interesting bit of science, how it's disseminated, regurgitated, shared. So he had sent me a screenshot of a friend of his saying, they went up there trying to prove global warming and look, and then it just went on from there. And I was like, no, no, why is this how we're uh, like approaching science? I yeah, like that's that he's not sharing what it's it. doing at all. It's no it's not seeking to prove. And those are the questions that I like to talk about because it's like they're not going up there to be like, aha, because <laughs> then they wouldn't it. share it. Why would they share it yeah. if it in any way contradicted what they're looking for? And then two, they're in two weeks going to do some science that maybe isn't so palatable for that group. Are you then going to be able to say like, oh, damn it, I don't like this? Of course not. People just go, oh, those assholes, those fat cats. I knew they had an agenda. They, they happened to hit on one a couple weeks ago that I liked, but now this new one I hate. That's not a fan the, of this one. Yeah, that's frustrating. So how there are was, you going forward going to like combat that? I got it. That's, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, a lot of patience, I guess, is... It's, it's just so hard, though. I was talking to Amanda about this because she works at Mayo Clinic. She's a surgical tech and they're short staffed, like I said, who could have predicted that being a thing. She was saying that she was going to have to stay late today because somebody in her group had posted anti-vax TikToks that were like filmed at the Mayo, at the Mayo Clinic, <laughs> the number one hospital, the beacon of Western medicine. Yeah. And you're working there just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I just, think like, when I, you're sitting there watching daytime television, it goes, hey, is this you? And there's a picture of someone in their sweats <laughs> eating cereal. Would you like a fulfilling career? And then it goes through a list, scrolls real fast. <laughs> a lot of times like nursing something rather is in there. So we're associating that like every nurse in every category of nursing has done like 12 years of schooling. In reality, some of them were like, I know how to read. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not the most discerning scientific brains the world would not to discredit them because they do see a lot of stuff. And a lot of times like the doctor will be like, blah, 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 blah. And they'll go. I've seen this a bunch. Like, we just got to yeah. change your catheter. So let me talk to a different yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like that's not to diminish them in any way, but that might not also equate completely to them fundamentally understanding vaccines. Right. Ugh. And it's the just, language just... you were talking about of like people say, well, I don't want to change my genetics. That fundamental like base starting block point of being inaccurate there of like, oh, you're going to change your – you're going to grow a tail? That's rad. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. It's, 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 it's like that's – what irks me about people th like using the term like theory in ways to like this QAnon is a theory. No, it's not. It's a bunch of lunacy and like a mental health epidemic is what it is. Yeah. There's not a theory here at all. Like there's nothing here. This other stuff, there's, there's studies, there's numbers, there's data, there's peer review, there's results. Like uh, that's what just baffles me is it's like, you're rejecting this. These same people got you this phone. This is the same principles, just used in different ways. Like, I don't... Yeah, there was... Uh, and this happened in Canada. So, uh, you know, let's just... Everyone take a breath. Because... <laughs> <laughs> 
we were like, oh, this golden dreamland. Of, <laughs> like, sure. Only our thing here with, with certainly our own issues with uh, interpretations of science, et cetera. But like I'm out with some comedians after a show and I'm just about to take my first bite of food and this dude sits down and I'm fully unprepared. And he starts going on and on about like they're not really being gravity and how can you explain gravity and like you put a balloon on the table and it stays there but then you blow more mass into it more air it floats what's that all about so that's there's actually and i'm realizing like he's touching on like kind of some flatter things in just general but i was i i don't spend my life going around like if i ever run into one of those guys i'll have like some stuff dialed up and all he keeps so i'm trying to explain like fundamentally well the reason you know this would happen he's going i don't hear any formulas and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) go well and i love that like that term formulas not equations but like formulas was what cooking up one of your formulas in there (laughs) wizard man (laughs) (laughs) and i was really disappointed that like you kind of do need to be at the ready to go like this is this this you know like and at at many points in my life the number of equations that have cycled through my head that i knew just immediately they go away there's probably an equation for that (laughs) (laughs) i'd be like oh man let me dig through a storage unit and find some old books Uh, oh i've got formulas buddy (laughs) just just you wait let me let me get them yeah it's it's rough and that's what's hard and i guess to tie it back towards gis there's like a mapscaping i think is what it's called this podcast that i listen to where like gis itself you know geographic information system really poorly defined um it's such a broad field there's so much happening it's so useful in so many different things and yet you know there's it's like how do you describe it well like maps, I guess, would be the easiest way. And people are like, well, yeah, we've mapped everything. <laughs> There's, there are maps. What are you even doing? And it goes to the language of like, well, no, map means something different now because everything is happening in space and time. Yeah. And we can take these points of data and we can put them all together and paint this wonderful picture of all these different things that are happening. Like, that's a map. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like our scientific knowledge has increased so much and all these terms have gotten so different and convoluted that unless you're like actively pursuing knowledge of it it's really easy to just look at and be like this is fake i do not understand any of this (laughs) well i hate that those dicks get together and move the hand forward on the doomsday clock yeah like while you get together why not also come up with some key terms that are irrefutable in how you float out new concepts scientifically so that you're not going oh we i'm sorry we said global warming it's climate change sorry about that but at that point people are like it's snowing right now good luck with the global warming you've you've already lost that whole crowd and that's a crowd you you need to have you You need to have have everybody they're large and they're angry it's a big uh, <laughs> group, yeah, and they're just the the fighting, the need to to be adversaries to prove yeah. you wrong. So and so owns so and so in these things. Yeah, it's just not helping it's anything. The same as like the blah 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 destroys a heckler video. It's <laughs> right. like, I don't want this. I want the what they're talking yeah. about. That's that's what I'm here for. I don't need this gotcha, yeah. sensationalized. Sort of nonsense. And that's the thing that's hard is science is so nuanced and it changes all the time. And it's not good for any of the current methods of discourse, I guess, is the the way I'd put it, like sound bites and other things. And I think that 
you know, if people hear that, like, oh, well, evolution's a theory and Hillary eating babies with the pizza parlor in the foyer with a lead pipe and clue, like, I don't know, whatever, that's a theory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, well, I, I have evidence for my theory. And it's like, no, you don't have evidence. You don't have a theory. And then it's just like, how do you explain that to somebody? A, without like just being so condescending that they hate you for it. Like, yeah, I, um, oh, sorry. I just guess it's hard because it is such a fundamental, like you look at what people are yelling about. It's like, how did you get there? Like, yeah. this, now how did, how did that even happen? <laughs> and it's just so hard to not be like, everything you're saying is so wrong and you're so wrong and you're not even close. And it's upsetting. And ah, like, I don't know how you approach that and be like, hey, sure. Okay. This is where you're starting. Let's work from there. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if like the science has gotten to be too far where it's like, well, I don't understand that. I, that makes as much sense to me as, as God in the 6,000 years and the seventh day he rested that all. I follow that. Like, I don't, you're uh, talking about. Nonsense. Like, I don't know if there's like a disconnect there. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I just think at this point, the, you know, people get together and they, they take off their masks and, or they've never worn a mask. Yeah. And then those respective groups have their own conversations that are repetitive. Yeah. And at some point you're like, yeah, 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 I, I know. Let's talk about something else because there really is nothing more simple than putting on a mask and trying to blow out a candle and understanding droplets and the spread of things, et cetera. And knowing that like in the future, if it was, man, there are some solar flares happening right now that are intense. Do not go outside and peel your eyelids back and stare right at the sun. It'll be bad for you. And people are like, freedoms, you're not taking my freedoms away. And it, then it becomes less about the science and becomes about something else. But then they will yeah. slowly find, you know, there's actually, there's some oxidation that happens in your iris that they don't talk about <laughs> in science. So we're going to do it and you're not going to stop us. You have to just kind of peel back and be like, go, go for it. This, is, yeah. this isn't hurting me. It's only hurting you. And my grandparents, theoretically, they're not vaccinated. <laughs> they're or, blind anyway. <laughs> they're already <laughs> blind. But like, just to kind of except we're losing certain groups and will they generations from now be communicating online in these little subsets that pass around bizarre information that they live by i mean we we have seen that since humanity was around there are still people that dress like it is 400 a.d at least one day a week to be like well (laughs) we've got to pay homage to this religion that we believe in. That's in almost every religion. There is a group that still dresses at like the earliest level of it. And they adhere to some of those ridiculous principles. So the idea that now we're going to be like, all right, everybody chop, chop, let's figure out like how to (laughs) press forward. Yeah. We just, you got to kind of take who's there. And, but what you touched on is with children, not be so overbearing that you're talking them out of it. You know, where it's, you have to believe this and nothing else. I don't know if you yeah. listen to the uh, Yoichi Shiga episodes of this show, but he refers to himself as a carbon cowboy, which I love because he didn't really want to get into like, uh, you know, CO2 levels and climate change, et cetera. He's like, I'm just looking into like, we know for sure since the industrial revolution, we have pumped more into the atmosphere. Let's find out where it went and what it's doing. 
That's that. So not getting into these heated debates with people, just, and I could see you in 50 years from now, and maybe you ventured back into shooters, but now you're an outsider. <laughs> and people are going, you're at shooters? And you're like, I told the gang I'd come back. And they're like, but you, you're so wise. And you don't talk a lot, but they ask you for your opinion. And you finally like, you're, you know, doing whatever. Maybe you're smoking a pipe. And you like pull your pipe down and go, you know, I think what I just realized throughout all of it, and I learned a lot. Don't discount what you're learning here at Shooters. You know, there is some good things that happen. Yes, you're getting some venereal diseases. That's without question. But you're also getting information socially from each other and how humans behave, what they desire, what they want, what how they want to express their exuberance for life or their freedoms or whatever. And then you might have at that point adopted a way that you live that the kids already can feel coming off of you. You don't have to say anything to them. They'd be like, but aren't you mad at these people? And you put your pipe back in and go, eh, they're just people. I like that. I try to do that anyways. It'd just be like, <laughs> ah, it's just people. But I'm like, oh, but it's just dumb people. And they're doing dumb things. And I, I wish they would stop. I know you said something earlier about like, you know, we just have to accept that like some groups of people you know, they're going to do what they do. They'll go out and hurt themselves. And ostensibly it only hurts them or something. It reminded me of like Bill Hicks talking about like the positive acid story. Yeah. So you yeah. always hear somebody jumped out of his building. because they got, I can fly. It's like, good. Fuck them. <laughs> you should have tried to jump off the ground and fly yeah, why not start you lost an idiot. Like everything is lighter now. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I felt some of that within this when it became, you know, vaccinated and it's like all the deaths are unvaccinated people. And part of you is like, hooray. But like, I would, I try to check that. I don't want to be doing that. I don't like that energy in me to be doing that. Like that doesn't feel good, but I know it'll start to feel though, like single car accident, uh, dead on the scene, blood alcohol level X amount. And you're like, yeah, that's what happens when you drive drunk. You, yeah. and you're lucky you didn't take someone else with you. We just get so but used my to freedoms. <laughs> Let me drive with no driver's license, no registration, no seatbelt, no headlights at night, and as drunk as I want to be. <laughs> I'm free. Yeah, that's yeah. I talked to talking back defining terms, just you know, define freedom for me and define what that is and why you're yelling about it so much and why you think this is you know infringing on that. Yeah, like. Even just starting there, ah, I should be able to do what I want. Yeah. You can't. This is a society. Like It goes maybe back to um, Bernie Rollins, like you were talking about, of listening. Because I think you would say, like, you would, you've at least observed this as well, which is that smart people aren't the only ones who get a load of this idiot. Real idiots go, look at these yahoos. There are people yeah. doing the dumbest things and knowing the least amount of common sense and or science or whatever that would be and going, cool, can you believe these idiots? And then you have to go, oh, oh, yeah. t- t- tell me more. <laughs> and they might explain to you some stuff and maybe in the midst of their explaining, realize they're just kind of spinning their tires and go, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And beyond that, it's all just black helicopters and stuff, you know, not, not to be like fully dismissive. But I think like the more you let them talk, they would... You'd yeah. really get themselves into some weird corners where, like Bernie, you could just kind of go, and, but but do you think that, is that the best? And you go, well, 
You know, if they're just left with their own thoughts, their own reason, without that judgment, without that press back, without being trying to be gotcha or owned, they might turn a corner on their own. And if not, like you're saying, like, you just kind of move on. You just like, yeah. All right, we're just gonna kind of leave you behind. Yeah, you you do that, buddy. Like, good luck on your journey. I'm gonna stay away from it, but uh, <laughs> gonna try to ugh, a little bit you, here. You, it's proven. You can go into a senior citizens' home, <laughs> and you can cough and breathe deeply and yell in people's faces as much as you want, and no one will get COVID. And you're like, <laughs> why do you want to do that? That's all yeah. it would take. It's like, why why yell in a senior citizen's face? Well, well I, mean, I guess I won't. Here. But if you fought them, if you fought them, they might. I mean, there yeah. might be people, like people have been coughed on and had yeah. to press charges about like assault on people because of that. That only started oh, because yeah. they're adversaries. If yeah, I, I mean, God, I work the service industry. Had to deal with that all the time. People that don't read your signs, and yeah, you know, they're just. I had one lady, we had a little sign on our door because we got out ahead of it, made people wear masks again inside. Little sign on the door, big sandwich board. She comes in, and I tell her to go get one. She's like, We're standing out in front now. She's like, Well, is there a sign I should have noticed? And I point to the little one. She's like, Well, that's way too small. Like, <laughs> also, this sandwich board. Oh, well, still. <laughs> ah. <laughs> No well, one likes know, to feel dumb. I mean, you know when you go to no. a bank and it's empty, and, and mate, this is a long time ago. I'm thinking of something the, similar. You the go account the account or the bank. Uh, <laughs> good question. <laughs> <laughs> this is I no. Let's change it from bank to like you go to. Um, you've got a problem with your boarding pass, and you you start to walk right up, and then they might point over, and there's a giant sign that says "Enter here," even though you can see them directly. But now you got to walk through this stupid maze because they wanted you to. Mm-hmm. And you know right when you leave, if you've ever had a job like this, they go, I mean, these idiots, they just never see the signs. In your head, yeah. you're like, I saw you. I need you. I, I wasn't really looking at the sign. That's just humans. We are just- I know. I, I hate that because I, as somebody who's been in the industry for so long and doing that, it's like, ah, oh, these people never do. <laughs> and when it happens to me and I'm like, ah, I see that now. It would help if I could read. That is my bad. <laughs> I, the, the other day I had my card plugged into a chip reader and then the, very kindly, oh, can you swipe it? And I pulled it out to swipe and taped on the front of it said, chip reader doesn't work, please swipe. And I was just like, bless your heart for dealing with me so kindly because you could have been like, read the thing, asshole. It's right <laughs> on there. And so I like that that whatever kindness that she showed me is kind of what we need to be doing yeah. for everybody. Yes, I agree with that. And I, that's something I've thought about a lot this last year too, is just like, just little bit, little nuggets of niceness like that of going through of just like a silly situation. Like I've started trying to leave really positive Google reviews on places, particularly if I've been there when somebody's like being confrontational or complaining, I'll just be like, yeah, this was great. I loved this person. Yeah. Even if it was like the most average visit ever yeah like you know what they were rocking it (laughs) they do that rather than being like i didn't get my ranch and i shot somebody and they kicked me out (laughs) i hope you get your ranch man that (sighs) is a bummer and when they fill up that little plastic thing only like a third of the way like give me my ranch get it two thirds it's like what's the deal with ramekins of ranch (laughs) my mom was really good at that when we were little she would and hand write nice notes to people about like oh, you know. see that stuff's fun i've gotten a few pieces of like mail 
in recent months that I have on my fridge because I'm like, this is neat. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, and I, yeah I, I, you mentioned people getting so adversarial about things and especially little things like that where, you know, it goes back to just like the stakes are low, you know, the pickles, you can take them off. Yeah. This and that. Just like, I don't know, trying to be aware of that. <laughs> if it's, you know, just a stupid situation. Yeah, it's my bad. I can't read. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> I'm the problem. Eh, go about your way. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I think it's it has to have changed because the world we live in is different. But I always went into uh, releasing anything with the con- with the firm idea in mind, like to never read reviews, to never look at any you know press or anything like that. But at one point, I did that about with one of my CDs, and I think what was happening is I had to get a link or I had to I had to visit the page. And it caught mm. my attention that one, there was like a one-star review. And I was like, what? I wonder what they had to say. Clearly angry right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And the review was negative. It was kind of dismissive. Like they it didn't specify. Just, you know, mm. kind of like, this is terrible. This is trash. Like, But yeah. then I went to their profile. And of course, the averages just don't balance out where, because like what my mom would say is like, you know, I'd be like, I'm so mad at this place. I'm going to call their manager. And she'd be like, well, when was the last time you called the place and said something positive? And I'd be like, I, I don't know. She'd be like, well, let's, once you do that, then you can call this place. So they, she was good at keeping the balance, just like nice. you are, of like even picking up the slack for some of the other negative people. Yeah. This one star because- person, his whole profile was all negative reviews. And one of yeah. them was a dog treat that his dog wouldn't eat, that it didn't smell enough like bacon. And wow. I was like... I feel fine about this one-star review, but this was worth it just to see like a little glimpse into this is the world we're trying to appease, trying to appeal to that like getting a dog treat, throwing it in front of his dog's face. <laughs> I'm taken to the internet. <laughs> Get on the internet and yell it just My into dog the is void. a connoisseur of bacon-scented <laughs> cookies. And Literally never turn down a treat. Zero treats turned down. <laughs> 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 There's just way too many people. I've been telling a joke kind of about that, about like essentially how quickly bartending or serving jobs went from not being real to being essential. Mm-hmm. Um, just how quickly that happened. And it's like, well, what is it? And it's like, well, it's essentially real is what you're doing <laughs> uh, sort of thing. But I, in my opinion, I'm like the Venn diagram between people who leave one star reviews on businesses like that. And people who say, oh, when are you going to get a real job? That's a circle. Yeah. It's just completely (laughs) a circle, um, which is so frustrating. And snap their fingers. Yeah. Yeah, All of that. You just see see the worst in people in that job. 100%. I think everybody should be required to do it for a year or two. 100%. Not military service, bar service. You need to to learn. Just to, I mean, not even a year or two. If you do six yeah. months, you've got one a pretty shift self- for some people. I'd be like, why? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I don't have food? <laughs> well, we what try not seeing. Oh, go ahead. What go you're ahead. not seeing is the line cook that's strung out and he hasn't slept in six days. And I got to deal with him and the cook that's above him that's on heroin and he's dealing with that. And the other servers' daughter can't get picked up for school and there's no babysitter. And it's, all of these things are between you and this ranch that you're asking for. <laughs> like, plus on top of that, if you drink too much and kill somebody, that's on me. That's a lot of responsibility. It is. This is a real job, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> and then to just zero on in on any one of those characters 
from the situation you just described. So you've got a manager checking on people, you've got servers zooming back and forth to the kitchen, you've got line cooks, you've got bus boys and or girls, dishwashers, etc. It's a whole ecosystem. Take any one of them. They're all hustling. They're at a certain point in their life where they're making some money, whether that's to further their education or pay for childcare or they're in between jobs or they just like it and they've been doing it for a while. Whatever it is, going back to Goodwill Hunting, if any of them, <laughs> it's always going to come back. You think he was going to do it? <laughs> you knew it was coming. And How do you like these? <laughs> if you're sitting there and you're any one of those people, say you're the dishwasher, you're scrubbing dishes, there's a part of you that like elevates above yourself that's like, we're all working hard, we're scrambling, I'm wet, it smells bad, someone's yelling at me. And little do they know, secretly inside this head of mine is a brain capable of offering the world a little bit more then Linguini, Linguini dipped the appropriate amount of time in, in this boiling water. I think I can do more. And so then that becomes a whole progression of how do you leave there? How do you drop that thing, take off the apron? And you're in that stage now of maybe you'd liked or disliked it. You got to experience it. But just knowing like the whole world is that ecosystem in any place you go. It is this, this just – a rat race, the planet over. It's planes taking off every day and people doing all their stuff. And if you can find a place within it where you're not dunking Linguini and getting yelled at and you have the ability to do that, a lot of times that's all the motivation you need to be like, I just want to be doing science and philosophy in a way that like takes me to a cool bookshop cafe thing and or what is next. So I guess that would be my final question as we start to kind of wrap things up is like, I still don't fully understand what science and philosophy is, but then like two, this grad program you're in, where would you like to be before you head back to shooters at age 50 <laughs> as the wise Which, one? Or you go back to the kitchen and, and explain to them, I was a dishwasher like you. Like yeah, what have you done between in, I learned a lot in that dish pitch. <laughs> they can't teach you in the Ivy League, son. <laughs> yeah. Not those soft skills, which is true. Totally. I mean, the guy that, the GIS, he called, he was like, a he wanted to rebrand it or something. He's like, we need people with soft skills and they're the science that's so hard to find. Um, one aside real quick. I, I, I have to point out that I hate that we've settled on the name shooters. Because <laughs> that's that, that's that Colorado, that Lauren Boebert lady. <laughs> oh, it is. Damn place it. Ah. In, in, in rifle, Colorado. Ah, you're right. I didn't shooters even think of rifle that. where the customers or the, the servers are packing heat. Oh, bummer. Uh, oh, man. I yeah. hope people listening have been thinking that because I she doesn't enter my mind and that bar certainly didn't enter. I think of it as just such a generic. Yeah, no, it's just that like, it's like the Shonies or like the, like, you know. Yeah, Bullies was a big one in Reno. And then there's another one that has kind of a similar... Yeah, you know the place. I didn't want to use you, one of the bigger chains. But yeah, you know the place. Yeah, like, this you know is where place. people... Yeah. But yeah, that lady's terrible. Uh, so yes, we're I'm full disclosure to the the fine listeners of this podcast. Neither of us would ever go there, wiser, dumber, ever. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for me, getting out of it, I, I guess to go to that real quick because we we had sort of you know mentioned that I getting out of the industry for a while helped with that. Unfortunately, you know, I was able to to do that. Um, a lot of people just can't because there's no. As soon as that paycheck stops, the kid isn't getting fed or right. getting evicted. And I had a lot of things I didn't necessarily have to worry about. Parents were able to help with some of it, you know. And so I, that's what I think, too, is it's like how many of the people that I know in the service industry, if they had a little bit of financial help to where they could take a few weeks off and not be in that environment and kind of regroup a little bit 
so many people would figure something else out. Yeah. And I think you've seen some of that over this when people were getting paid um, and could kind of look at what they were doing and be like, this isn't it. Why am I, I'm just doing this to continue this cycle. I'm bartending to drink, to bartend, to drink, to bar, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. So I was able to get out of it um, kind of that way, which was nice and take time and go to school um, and do that sort of thing. To answer about philosophy of science, uh, my Dr. Kasser at, at CSU would, would just be, you know, shaking his head at me for, for not being able to define it better. But, you know, I think it is just kind of asking those foundational questions of like what it is we're doing with science and why we're doing it and how do we do this science? Um, you know, like what exactly is it? Are we trying to come up with these truths for the universe, these laws, these determining factors or are we just trying to predict as best we can certain things given some conditions and and that's how we learn like where where in this is what we're doing i guess which again can seem just like well who cares we're doing it but i think especially now when science is being ignored and attacked and you know all of these other things it's it's good to understand like what is it about science that gives it more weight than this other theory that I have. Like, oh yeah, you have terms, I have terms. They make sense to me. And it's like, yeah. well, is science better because we know a truth about the universe or is science better because I can utilize it to make this nifty microphone I'm recording into? Like, I, I may not know a truth about it, but hey, this I'm recording. So, you know, that's something. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's, it's just a good good way to look at why we're doing these things and what it is that we're even doing because I think science can get so narrowly focused and super hyper focused on these small little subsects of other things that like you said with the sculptor you have to kind of take a step back and look at it more as a whole and be like okay well why am I doing this yeah like what am I doing with this am I now the results aren't working out have I found something new or is it my model like I think it's just kind of looking at at those sorts of parts of science and taking a step back from the, you know, hyper-focused specificity of science as it is right now. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, to know these things, you have to be so deep into it. I mean, I listen to your other interviews and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I don't know anything. I know nothing about anything. (laughs) I can. I don't, and I don't retain all of it either. I mean, there'll be things that come up that I, I could, for sure, especially with this break, there'll be things coming up that I have learned that, and I'm sure maybe someone listening, if maybe it noodled its way into their head, they'd be like, Dave, you've already asked this. You've already been mm-hmm. like as captivated by the answer as you were. <laughs> like you, it, sometimes there is a need for repetition and it's not yeah. like just hearing something once. You know, a lot of times you're dealing with experts. So someone who teaches chemistry every day, you sit next to them on a chairlift or at a, you know, on an airplane, they're going to dazzle you with the amount of stuff that they know. And you're going to be like, man, I should have paid more attention in school. But you're like, well, technically they're still in school. They're doing this every day. Yeah. And, I think someone like um, your guy Bernie, thinking of the skills that he possessed to go to these like cattlemen's association places. And I think you and I, you know, being from rural areas and I know those people, but I don't know that I could go do comedy in front of them necessarily. You know, I I feel like I could get by, but I might have to like 
kind of, uh, yeah, you know, like sell yeah. myself out a little bit or something. But I, yeah. I would, I would know a general sense, and but that's not, that's not necessarily true because I think it's changed a lot. But his ability to like maybe reference scripture or things that like he had a unique set to go into that world and then also back into academia. You know, you coming from where you come from, there's a this concept that this podcast is, I guess, part of, which is like SciComm, you know, communicating science. And I will reach out to places sometimes and get that kind of like, sorry, you know, we can't have so-and-so speak because, uh, you know, it's not sanctioned or it wouldn't be viewed, you know, might Im- impact our grant or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're like, damn it. But science needs that more than anything, which is to be accessible. It can't yeah. be up in a tower somewhere where no one no. gets access to it. And so someone like you being able to kind of unify it, distribute it, go to some of these rural places in the future and be able to say like, here's why we need science. Because if you think of how many people you know, especially in comedy, you see this all the time, people that came from like, really tight, uh, conservative, uh, religious upbringings. Yeah. And they left, they get into comedy, which is like debauchery, light and or heavy, depending on what, it, <laughs> what part of it is. <laughs> and they, a lot of times, like just everything unraveled for them. And a lot of that was, if someone comes and gives a demonstration of like this chemical plus this chemical plus this chemical that I'm putting in here will be flammable. And let me show you. <laughs> They just told you what was going to happen. They didn't have to like jump around and do a whole bunch of like, and believe me, folks, look to the sky. They didn't do any like. There were less snakes involved. <laughs> uh, no less snake snakes. bites. <laughs> there was no like, well, it didn't reveal itself today, but come back next week. There was none of that. It just it, happened. And that's it, so appealing. So to bottle that up and communicate it and get everyone on the same page would just seem so vital and so awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think is the biggest battle to me that I see with anything is like trying to find those ways to communicate And like something I was thinking about earlier today is it's like, yeah, well, science may be a theory and you have to have a lot of faith in a lot of parts of science. And I think you have to grant that argument against it, like for sure. But like, you know, it's a results-based business and this is going to, this is going to predict some things like your theory and your model should be predictive. It should not work in mysterious ways to quote something that they love to say about God. It's like, ah, it's mysterious ways. It's like, no, that means you don't have any fucking clue what's happening. (laughs) You know, whereas with this, like I told you that these chemicals together would do this and they did fucking wow. (laughs) (laughs) What if though, like, you know, everyone's mad at these tech companies Tech companies deal in algorithms and AI. And if AI could be programmed, which it can, to determine if you are making money off of peddling false information and demonstratively, demonstratively, uh, provably false things, <laughs> your phone could just like brick up on you. How hilarious would that be that people are like, so ah, great. fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I was making so much money. And like, you would get no message. You would get nothing. You would just know like, yeah, that's the AI and the science that you're, you know, using, relying on, dependent on just turned on you. You can't, yeah. you can't go against that level of science. That would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> your phone's just like, you're full of shit, dude. Frowny <laughs> face. It's off. <laughs> <laughs> my phone was great i was making money and i said later dad that was it i'm off yeah that but science could do that the fact that it doesn't is so benevolent and kind to like ah you little rascal yeah you're allowed to you're allowed to say that mixing 
ibuprofen with Pepsi will keep you COVID-free and make a ton of money selling that thing, your phone's never going to brick up on you. But, man, it really should. That'd be it so really great. Should. It really should. Yeah, if you go against the science that got you there demonstrably, like you said, then it should. you shouldn't get it anymore. What did I say? Demonstratively? Like, that's I not a word, so. is it? Ah, oh, sorry. Man. You know, you, you got you got to the point. You, you demonstrated <laughs> what you were trying to say. <laughs> Demo- is demonstrative a word? Yeah. Okay, right. but de- demonstrable, demonstrable, de- demonst- <laughs> What are we saying? <laughs> here is there we a are gas leak in here. Intelligent people of science. <laughs> is this a fucking word? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man, I feel like I'm on narcotics demonstrably demonstratively yeah ah who knows okay demonstratively okay yeah you can show this to be (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah i don't know so i 50 years from now going to uh the club formerly known as shooters um yeah boozers we should have just called it boozers (laughs) boozers it's more direct more to the point you guys going over the sadness. Yeah, just pure like dark. You can't see. There's a guy over in the corner juggling. You can just barely see the outline of the well, well, hey now, let's not. <laughs> I like where that's going. Oh yeah, this is different. This is this is a fairy tale version of shooters. This is boozers, where it's like it's fun and artsy and cool. Uh, <laughs> it's all the things that you think it is when really it's alcoholism. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All of those things. You know, I don't. I don't know exactly. I hope to keep doing things, obviously, that like, like one thing that was big for me moving to Rochester was like, I want to be involved in the community. I want to do things like on a local level, because I've been worried about like, oh, I need to make some sort of a name or do something big. And it's like, I'm just going to kind of focus on what's around me and hopefully affect some positive change by doing little things like that nearby. And, you know take the time to go see other places, but just, you know, try to be like, all right, these are my surroundings. This is how this could be better. Yeah. And you know, whether that's through like little reviews here and there, or it's through learning how to code apps and other things and, you know, find ways to help protect wildlife habitat or, you know, public lands or all these other things that like I can learn how to do. And like, I don't know, have the technical background to be able to explain that process to somebody else be like, we should be doing this. This is good. The science is all, oh, it's, you know, all these fancy terms. But basically, this is what's happening. And just kind of be able to to talk to people about it. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know, you know, hopefully creating and, and, and anything else that I do. So I keep trying to think of ways to like combine GIS with some of these other things, which is interesting. I'll pitch an idea to you very quickly here that I thought of was uh, like using this this GIS software to take like an inventory of the the places that booked comedians, but like using as data points like how much they paid and how much they paid people of color or how much they paid like LGBT people, this or that, and like the times they were given and get like a networking map of like showing the places that actually give a fuck about their performers yeah. versus like, you can see this club here is problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could do that with a whole bunch of data. I would not know how to source from the, com- the comedy community at large. Um, yeah. They used to have to... the calendars out on the table. And so like now on their website, you could just go through and just download those JPEGs. You could feed that into AI. Cause it's a little, 
little gray area to figure out some of the finer points that you're talking yeah. about. You know, yeah, just... some of the, like the, if you want to do like a weighted analysis of like the points to weight of like, and this is how they treat like minorities or like, are they promoting you'd have diversity, to like, you know? You'd have to send out or go to that person's site or some of their pages to find out how they identify themselves, you know, because you might be yeah. like, hey, I had you down as being from Honduras. And they're like, what? No. <laughs> ah, that's that's uh, my agent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm from the Philippines. Yeah, You're like, oh, shit, sorry. Yeah. So, like, I mean, there's obviously a ton that would be involved with the data collection and that that's troubling. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, quality of data and uh, the reputability of the sources would be in question. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, when I look at things in my life, just working with this GIS technology that I'm looking at it, like, oh, well, how could I use this to do this? And yeah. I don't know. That's, and uh, you know, 50 years from now, are we going to be here? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know. There's always that, you know, those assholes with the doomsday clock, like it's, it's getting there. So I don't know that I even look that far ahead anymore, like if I ever have, but. Uh, yeah, good point. What a sour note to end on, but also, <laughs> you know, like something to like strive toward to just, I think conversations like that, people are going to have to be more comfortable not owning someone, not making them feel dumb, but just someone gets you a gift from a site that wasn't really well researched into like what their carbon footprint is, what they're, what are they doing in the ways that they interact with the planet to be able to say like, I appreciate this gift, but like, please don't do this in the future. Well, you don't even appreciate things. No, no, no. Having those kind of uncomfortable conversations that you know are going to make you feel bad and make them feel bad. But in the end, hopefully we can all agree that the science has very clearly and demonstratively (laughs) shown us that like these habitats are under extreme threat and that there is a real need for a drastic change in the way we operate, you know, places that are demanding that their vehicles be electric and, you know, there's starts, there are starts, but it starts with people too. It's just, Oh, I don't want to talk to so-and-so about it. Yeah. Okay. Well you, you can put down some boundaries if nothing else, you know, you can, you can have these conversations and they're with people you love. It's not your crazy uncle. It's with people that like, I just saw this and I knew I had to have it. So I ordered it. And like, and then what? Like planes and trucks were involved to deliver this little bit of cardboard to me with yeah. a thing inside that let's rethink that. Let's shop locally. All the things you're talking about doing work in a community that we grow, that we feel good about where we know where things are sourced. seems like a good start. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the best place to start. Because when you start thinking too much bigger than that, it's very easy to get depressed or existentially (laughs) horrified about a lot of things. But I mean, if you're able to like step outside of that for a second and be like, well, all right, that's happening. Sure. Um, In the meantime, I'm going to go down to this gallery and I'm going to go support this artist. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I used to always joke that like if there's a zombie thing, I just I'm going zombie immediately. I'm not yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, over here, get me, bite me. Yeah, just like right off the bat, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna be <laughs> done with it. I I think I tried to make that a joke too, where it's like I take a lot of comfort in knowing that the people that are gonna survive in the underground bunkers are gonna be the ones having the worst time when they come out. Yeah. Like I'll I'll have been a zombie and died. 50 years ago and you're still (laughs) clinging on in this anxiety ridden world where your money isn't good for anything it's like i checked out i I saw the writing on the wall i just yeah absolutely i think that's a smart way to go i had a uh script that i was 
like yeah, kind of working on a little. And then um, that show, Last Man on Earth, with Will Forte came out. Oh, that yeah. I I laughed. That was so funny. But I really wanted to do a show where like there's this couple. They go meet his parents for the first time, and they're doomsdayers, and they go eat dinner in the bunker, and then the event happens. Oh god! <laughs> and now this woman who does, and this guy, this dude, you know, he's like familiar with it growing up, but he moved away from it. Now they right. both have to be around like all these maniacs opening up their oh, bunkers yeah. and coming out yeah, yeah, and I've just being like, thought. Oh no, it's just a lifetime of like <laughs> going to recon mission to reclaim my thing, drinking water, da, da, da. like just all this dr- drama, just having yeah. so intense. Yeah. Like, can we just take a minute and relax? No, you want to do it. That's what the world will be If you want to survive, like. you have to stay with me. <laughs> well, then I don't. I know. The <laughs> moment just... there's like a tsunami and people are like, the freeways are backing up. Come with me if you want to live. I'll just be like, good luck out there. Yeah. I'll see you. Good run. I'm just let this run its course. I don't want that. Not at, and I've if zombieism is real, like imagine then you get brought back and you're like conscious enough to realize your dumb body is running around like biting people, <laughs> and you're just in there being you're just riding along, going oh for the lot just end it, just, just end it. Somebody. I don't want to watch any of this. Oh good now now this guy's chasing me with a chainsaw and I'm trying to eat. Oh, <laughs> enough of this. It's just we're like at the precipice of that sort of world being like, I like I like feasible. this character. I like this character of the self-aware zombie that's kind of over it. <laughs> just like oh, all right. Uh, that person isn't that enough. How many people do you need to buy? Oh, you're up again. Here you go. You're you're shuffling. These people are they're just the craziest that we're dealing with. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's that was the thought. It's like the only people that are surviving are the people wealthy enough to afford bunkers and those crazy people that made them theirself, themselves. Yeah. And they're the ones that are going to be running it. The rich people are going to be the worst off. Yeah. And you're that, over there like that, pee, <laughs> put a water bottle under your pee stream. We're going to need that. <laughs> Just leave me be. Just let me die out here. <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> I take a lot of comfort in that. Yeah. Weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Lyons, what a treat, man! This was a pleasure. I'm glad we did this, and uh, I mean, it's been a while since our road trip driving around the country, and here you are living in Minnesota and going to change the world with communicating science. I'm excited about that. And then, when are you done with the graduate program? So it's like a it's like a two year program. Um, it's nice because it goes at a pretty pretty reasonable pace. And then Amanda's on contract with Mayo for a couple of years, so it's you know a couple of years of just hitting Rochester hard, I guess, you know, like I'm putting my head into all sorts of stuff creatively in town and just trying to do that. And it's like, well, I'm nice. here. What's the name of your place cool. where you're doing uh, shows and stuff? It's a uh, gray duck, uh, theater and coffee house. Great duck. Um, yeah. Gray duck. Right. Um, yeah. Geese are big out here. Um, nice. it's like a, a hole to do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, just do that and, and get through school and then, like we were talking about, I'd like to say like I have a good plan, uh, but honestly, who knows what two years is going to look like. My loose plan is like, get that master's degree, have something that makes you look good on paper, go to another country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is honestly like the thought, sadly, but you know, say that, maybe Colorado again, go back, tell yeah. jokes, hang out in the mountains, yeah. you know, wait for wait for the zombies to get there. Uh yeah, I like it. Do as much as you can locally, but with yeah. the backup plan of like, see you fools later and jet to a different place. 
Yeah, yeah, why not? There's worse ways to do it. Yeah, I think so. You got it for for the time you're given in whatever locale you're at. That's a great way to go about it. Yeah, that's all we can do, anyways. Is, yeah. Well, I'm here, so like, let's make this good and they fun. They might even lure you in. You might even be like, I can't leave the gray duck. I love it. This is everything I love. I am. I'm off Rochester. I am one of you. <laughs> one of the people. Yeah. Weird. Well, weird town. <laughs> <laughs> They're lucky to have you, buddy. Great chatting, and uh, thanks for making the time, and uh, good luck in your studies. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good chatting with you, too. Well, that was Eric. We'll see where he goes in the next few years of his life. Always fun to check in with people, like I mentioned in the chat, and see where their life takes them. Uh, don't forget that the Grey Duck Theater in Rochester, he's doing stuff there, so you might pop by and say hello. Say, hey, I'm a Space Cave listener. I'm a Space Burger. And uh, he'll be like, get out of my face. But maybe make a friend. You just never know. Um, I referenced the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash spacecave. Thanks to Dan. Thanks to all of you who listen. Uh, if you have a subject or a beer or a, uh, a guest in mind, you can message uh, pings at thespacecave.com or you can go to the contact page at the website. And it's new. Slowly working on that, making it a little bit more uh, modernized. It just helps me re-energize about doing the show, to do little things like um, jazz up the website. So take a gander over there. And speaking of gandering, the Instagram has images slowly being added from every guest, behind-the-scenes things. Uh, that will also populate on Facebook. I don't know how I feel about that uh, tech giant. I know some of you still use it. I don't really engage with it much, but if you're looking for a place to see some photos, uh, I don't think we'll be spreading misinformation by just posting some photos there. So, you know, be careful. Don't fall into any wormholes if you head over there and end up uh, drinking some sort of uh, ophthalmic droplets for cat's eyes, thinking it'll cure your warts or something. I don't know. I don't know what happens at Facebook, but it does seem like it can get pretty out of hand. Okay, uh, let's get out of here. It wouldn't be right to do it any other way. We reference it during the show. One, Eric's favorite band, one of mine as well. One of their greatest songs. Hope you enjoy it. If you're not familiar with it, settle in. This is Randy Described Eternity. Enjoy. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave.